I just have one of those sections of scripture that I, I've always enjoyed and uh, speaks to me. Um, I, hope, uh, I hope it speaks to you. But um, if you, um, well, let me just start out here. I, I decided to call this the resurrection of Christ which as you read through it, you got to think of the resurrection. Even though it doesn't use that name, it says he was raised. But um, it's, the whole thing seems to be a proof of his resurrection. And today we're heading back into chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. You might remember that on Resurrection Sunday, if you were here, Pastor Brian taught us from... Uh, chapter 15, verses 12 to 20, that if Christ was raised from the dead, we who have believed in Jesus will also be resurrected. So, um, of course, on Resurrection Sunday, he wanted to encourage us about our resurrection. But this is actually previous to that, and it was Paul laying the foundation for this whole... um, chapter and telling us that Christ did indeed raise and he has he has some pretty convincing proofs I think as we'll go through it today Um, in today's sermon we'll try to cover that whole verses 1 to 11 If you're unsure or have doubts about the resurrection of Christ, you're in the right place today. I hope the Holy Spirit will help us to believe and trust in the Savior who died for our sins and rose again. I want you to know that if you can't get enough of studying about the resurrection, I'm one of those people, I get into a subject and I just love it, and I hope you do too. Because though Pastor Brian did one sermon, I'm doing a second. Um, We have four more sermons coming out of this chapter. This chapter is the mother load of resurrection uh, knowledge. Fifty-eight verses in this chapter. Paul concentrates on the doctrine of resurrection. Some people think doctrine's boring. I, I hope you don't, because this is doctrine about our Savior and how He saved us. It's doctrine about us being resurrected when we die someday. Uh, These are things that are important to us if you've believed in Christ. This chapter is the go-to spot for your resurrection questions. So save them up. We got one that's a lot brighter than me here. We actually got two, Pastor Trey and Pastor Brian. And look, Pastor Trey just walked in. So save your question for him if you want. Um, Five big points today. And I know some people like points, so I thought I'd tell you them up front. Uh, Point number one, verses one and two, I feel like... um, is the testimony of the gospel in creating the church. Point number two, verses uh, three and four, the testimony of the scriptures to the resurrection of Christ. 
Point number three, verses five to seven, the testimony of eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Christ. Point number four, verses eight to ten, the testimony of Paul to the resurrection of Christ. Point number five, our last point, will be verse 11, the testimony of the common message preached by church leaders of the resurrection of Christ. So we're starting off here right away with um, the resurrection of Christ, our point number one. So let me reread. I'll try to read them each time just to remind us these first two verses. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Um, As he talks here about the testimony of the gospel, the gospel in short term, at least with Paul, um, his emphasis is always on the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. Um, He saw that as vital, that gospel in creating this church in Corinthian um, or Corinth I'm sorry so notice that despite all the problems in the Corinthian church and there were a lot just like we have a lot every church has problems Paul still calls them brothers they are all part of the church and he wasn't throwing anybody out at this point he's just trying to correct a problem This is an example of the power of the resurrection of Christ and its power to save sinners and keep them. God's holding that church together despite the problems that are going on and helping them to go through it. And and this just reminded me of what uh, Christ said to uh, Peter and the disciples. He said to them, But who do you say I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I'm not going to go into it much, but when he says, on this rock, we have learned that that's not really talking about Peter, is it? He's talking about the rock that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That rock is what he's building his church on. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I just think of that. Here's this little church. It could have been torn apart with some of the things going on, but yet it hasn't been. It's held together. Um, Again, problems, but that doesn't mean an end to it. He does, there is a troubling little phrase there at the end of verse 2, unless you believed in vain. Um, What does that mean? Well, obviously it means you said you believed at first, but now you're not showing it anymore. Uh, maybe you've left the church. Maybe you, um, you're saying things you shouldn't. Um, 
What's shocking at times is when we read this little quote from Jesus in Matthew 7:21, "Not everyone who says to me, "Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven." So if we're not doing God's will, then we need to wonder if you have believed vainly. You have believed in vanity. Um, it's not real to you. I hope that's not true for you. Let's go on to our second point. It's a lot of stuff today. Um, it is every time. But uh, point number two, verse three and four. Um, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. So Paul is using the Scriptures to say that Everything that happened to Christ was according to what had already been told us in the Old Testament. And that's pretty amazing when you think about it. That We call that prophecy. Um, and uh, Jesus, the more you look um, in, the, uh, in the Old Testament, after you've learned the uh, New Testament, you start realizing, oh... They told us in the Old Testament this would happen. I, um, you know, there were so many places you could go, and I've got more than I should have. But um, I'm going to read one little section here from Luke 24, 44 to 48. This is after the resurrection. And Jesus said to them, meaning the disciples, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Notice, that's basically the Old Testament. The uh, law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms, the whole of the Old Testament was speaking about Jesus. And then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. I'm hoping, I'm praying today that the Holy Spirit's opening your mind that some of this is going to click. And um, it's all there in your Bible. But uh, sometimes we really have to study it before it comes out to us. He says a similar thing to the two uh, uh, disciples on the road to Emmaus. Remember, they get to the house and um, then he says... um, There at the end of it, Jesus, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. I love when it says there later, the two two disciples turned to each other and said, weren't our hearts burning within us? Has he talked to us? I hope you have that kind of experience every now and then. I just get choked up sometimes just listening to these songs. And uh, I feel like my heart is burning in me because uh, they just remind me of what my Savior's done for me. So, 
that was just my introductory scriptures on this little section. And uh, I wanted to zoom in more on where he said, And Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. So you could probably write down a whole lot of Isaiah, but um, I took Isaiah 53 and um, I took verses 5 and 6 and verses 11 and 12. But he was pierced for our transgressions. So he starts right off there with the idea um, that he was pierced. And when we say pierced, that's when I think of hands and feet nailed to the cross. Jesus crucified for our transgressions, not his. Of course, he lived a whole life on earth and never sinned. And... um, So his crucifixion was for us. He was crushed for our iniquities. Another way to say sins. So transgressions, iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Iniquity, there we're talking sin again. It's laid on Jesus. And who did it? The Lord laid it on him. The Lord God Almighty. Um, It was his plan from the beginning. And it's hard to imagine when you think of doing this to his only son. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, And when he says, my servant, he means Jesus. Make many to become, to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. So it's kind of backwards there, but we see iniquities again. Him bearing our iniquities, and then what did it do? It made us be accounted righteous. He sees me, he sees you, if you believed in him as righteous, Though we're still living in these sinful bodies, still living our daily life where sin is more often in our life than we'd like to admit. Uh, But He has made us righteous before Him. Therefore, I will divide Him a portion with the many, and He shall divide the spoil with the strong, because He poured out His soul to death. He died. That was one of our points here. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Um, Again, putting the sin on him and yet he intercedes for us, for the transgressors. The... um, I also had in here the uh, Passover lamb. Uh, is a picture of Christ in Exodus 12. The tenth plague was against Egypt. And um, the plague was going to be the death of every firstborn, not only of all the people in Egypt, but of all the cattle, interestingly. And uh, the Jews were protected if they killed a lamb... A lamb without blemish, 
And who does that remind you of but Jesus? Uh, he is, was the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice. And they had to spread the blood on the top and the sides of the door frame, and their house would be passed over. That's hence the name Passover. And Christ, guess what? He was crucified on Passover, wasn't he? And um, then there's Isaac, I thought of, uh, and uh, Abraham taking Isaac out to sacrifice him on the mountain. Fortunately, God stopped him at the last minute as he raised his knife up. And um, just a picture of God wanting um, us to understand how much it hurt him to kill his son. But that was the only way he could take away our sins. The only way he could make us righteous and uh, justify us before him was to um, sacrifice his only son. So Abraham, um, fortunately when God said, uh, no, don't kill him, put a ram in with his horns caught in a nearby tree and the ram got sacrificed instead. I don't know what it would have been like being Isaac. Um, pretty amazing that he went through that. Pretty amazing that Jesus allowed all that to be done with him at any moment he could have stopped it and yet he allowed himself to be sacrificed and then just the whole uh, Jewish system of animal sacrifice is also a picture of Christ dying for our sins I uh, I loved when we were uh, singing um, Christ the true and better and of course that just speaks of all the places in the Old Testament where um, the uh, picture that is being told is really a picture of the future coming of Christ. It's amazing. Um, now, another part of this uh, um, point number two, that he was buried, was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And, of course, when he said he was buried, that's kind of a proof that he was dead, wasn't it? left in the grave for three days, three nights. Um, but then also the scriptures proved all that. Um, Matthew twelve forty, Jesus told the scribes and the Pharisees he would be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth like Jonah had been in the belly of the great fish. They wanted a sign, the scribes and the Pharisees. And so Jesus told him, guess what, I'm going to be killed, and yet I'm going to come out like Jonah came out of the great fish. Then we look to um, Psalm 16, 11 to uh, 10 and 11, I mean. It says, you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, to the grave, or let your Holy One see corruption. So it's telling us that Christ will be resurrected and raised. He won't be resurrected like we see in the zombie movies. 
um, he is resurrected in a glorious new body. And um, that's the hope we have. Man, if I, if I were to die and he resurrected me to this old body, I'm not sure I'd be all that pleased about it. But uh, that new and glorious body, that's what I want. Um, we, uh, we have that to look forward to because Christ was raised. We someday can be raised. Psalm 22, um, verses 1a and uh, verses 14 to 18. I did 1a here because it's pretty famous because God said this from the cross. Christ said this from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, um, of course, that was him with the sin upon him and his father couldn't look at that sin. Um, I am poured out like water and all of my bones are out of joint. Remember, it was prophesied none of his bones would be broken. Didn't say they couldn't be out of joint. I can't imagine the pain he went through. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a pot sheared. And my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of earth. Um, The dust of death, I'm sorry. So he died. Um, He was buried. He died. Um, for the dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. Again, a picture of the crucifixion. And this was uh, hundreds of years before the crucifixion happened. This was all told. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And my clothing they cast, for my clothing they cast lots. And we know that from the story that uh, as he was being crucified, the soldiers were dividing up his clothes. Apparently a few of them looked pretty good. Um, then we go to point three, um, verses five to seven. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. I'll go through these fairly quickly, I think. Um, Cephas, which is Peter, um, he... uh, Christ had appeared to him at some point, it tells us in Luke 24, 34, appeared to him um, by himself, apparently, uh, soon after the resurrection. Uh, The 12, and um, without Judas, it was actually 11. And the only thing I could think of... um, it's kind of like the Big Ten. You know how we have 18 teams in the Big Ten? Um, we've gotten used to calling it the Big Ten, so we still do, I guess. Um, 
So for them, it was the twelve. That always signified that group of the uh, disciples. Um, the one disciple, Judas, hadn't been replaced yet at that time. That's in John uh, 20, 19 to 23, and 26 to 29. More than 500, Christ appeared to more than 500 eyewitnesses of the resurrection. Um, I'm not sure when this happened, um, but being just, this was written, Corinthians was written 15, maybe 20 years after the crucifixion and resurrection. So it hadn't been that long back. And Paul is pointing this out. And he says a few of them have died, but uh, most of them are still alive. And so people could go out, walk among the people, and um, find eyewitnesses that had seen Christ living. Wouldn't that be great? Now, I know that we may not have the eyewitnesses, but we have a lot of people that have believed in Christ and believed a long time. Talk to them if you're wondering if there's a, Christ is real, if you're run, wondering if He's resurrected. Talk to them, and hopefully they can tell you what He's done for them, how He's changed their lives. James. It's an interesting one because we think it looks like this is the brother of Jesus. You know, at one time there in the book of John, it says that his whole brothers and sisters, um, they thought Jesus was crazy. And it had to be odd to have somebody in your family saying, I am God, um, you know, you need to believe in me. But um, at some point, Jesus resurrected, met um, with James, apparently privately. And um, so we know, I think this is interesting, by Acts chapter 1, verse 14, that all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. And we know it was his brothers and his sisters. So I guess when your brother comes back from the dead, you kind of got to say, well, you got me beat there. You know, yeah, I, I was a better basketball player, but I can't, you know, I never did that. Um, Jesus wanted to save his family. Isn't that wonderful? And um, what an amazing God he is. Um, all the apostles, Paul says at some point, uh, he met to, with all of them. Uh, again, that's not one where I could find a specific verse, but it is interesting that um, in Acts 1-3, where it tells us it was 40 days till the ascension of Jesus, well, in that time period, apparently at some point, he got together with that group of apostles and met them all. Um, thank the Lord for that. It's uh, an interesting thing to me, and um, one that I'm not going to necessarily be able to answer for you. 
but that those that saw the resurrected Jesus did not immediately recognize him. Wonder why? Well, I think some obvious answers could be that most of them, even at least from a distance, probably watched the crucifixion. He had been whipped, beaten, crucified, died. Last time they had seen him, he looked terrible. I could imagine he was covered in blood and cuts and um, dirt. Um, And for them to recognize him, it just didn't make sense. Um, But now he had a glorified body. But I I take a couple things from that. One was on the road to Emmaus when he broke the bread. All of a sudden they they realized, ah. that's Jesus. And then he disappeared. Um, Mary, when she saw him, um, and he said, Mary, she knew that's the voice. That's him. And immediately, she wanted to hang on to him. He apparently kind of had to push her away and said, hey, I got to go. Um, he still also had the nail wounds from the crucifixion and the hole in his side where the uh, Romans had uh, punched a hole in his heart. Um, All those ways they could positively identify him. And um, I'm sure that's why those scars are still there. Our fourth point. Verses 8 to 10. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and the grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I but the grace of God that is with me. Oh, so we have this testimony from Paul. Um, Probably one of the greatest testimonies of all time. Started out way back in Acts 9 on the road to Damascus. And uh, he retells that several times to people. He probably, every time he started ministry, with a new group, he was uh, he would pull that story and unlike us, they didn't have all the written Bible sitting there, so they probably tell us, Paul, tell us that story. But uh, Acts twenty two fourteen, I found this one interesting, um, and he and he Ananias said. The God of our fathers appointed you to know his will and to see the righteous one. Got to guess who that is? Jesus, the risen Savior. And to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. So there was outlined his life. From then on, he was to be that witness and uh, to everyone. 
So Paul was the last one to become an apostle. Isn't that interesting? Thus there's there's no longer apostles today. They're all dead. They're all in heaven. Um, So I would not join an apostolic church um, because they're not apostles. Let's see. Was Paul being too proud as he spoke here? Sometimes it kind of, it sounds like um, he did it all. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, for I am the least of apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. That's all very humble. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain, On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. So he does mention again and again the grace. He did work hard. Boy, you can't take that from Paul. Um, Just look in your New Testament, and around half of your New Testament is Paul's writings. And... While he was doing all that writing, he was also making churches in uh, places, cities all over the place. And at the same time, he was running from people who were persecuting him. And he'd been stoned, he'd been whipped, he'd been uh, just beat up in so many different ways. He was a hard-working man. And he did not have a that we know of, a horse or a donkey or anything to ride. He was walking from Jerusalem to to all over Asia and uh, just incredible, hard-working man. But yet he does say it's that grace. I know we we all probably think of this at times as just these uh, verses, verses that Paul also wrote. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship. Never forget, he's the one that made you. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. That's why he created you. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He's lined it up ahead of time. You just have to do it. And uh, he's made you for this job of good works. Philippians twelve thirteen for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So he was amazing, and yet God did give him amazing grace, and uh, it, it showed. Um, we all, of course, receive amazing grace if we believe in him, if we trust in him for our salvation and forgiveness of sins. Last point, it's a short one. Um, Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. It's the testimony of the common message preached by church leaders of the resurrection of Christ. Here Paul relates that whether it was his preaching 
the preaching of Peter, James, or the 500. The message was the same good news. Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. The resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ is the keystone in the power of the gospel. Without the resurrection of Christ, we have no hope in life after death. The good news falls apart without the resurrection of Christ. The praise team can start making their way up here. The resurrection of Christ changed Paul's life forever. And I want you to be thinking about what could it do for me? He went, and this is so amazing because it seemingly happened so quick, although Pastor Brian reminded me uh, the other day that uh, it was several years after his conversion that he went off into the wilderness till he came back to uh, do his work. But he went from an unbeliever to a believer. That's pretty good. From a Pharisee to a Christian. And you know the battles Christ had with the Pharisees when he was on earth. And uh, in this case, he used this Pharisee to become a Christian. He went from law to grace. From persecutor to evangelist. From an enforcer of the Jewish chief priests to God's apostle to the Gentiles. From a bringer of death to a bringer of life. From destroying churches to planting churches and building them up. From an expert in the Old Testament to a New Testament writer. From self-righteous sinner to a humble Christian saved by grace. From full of rage to full of love. From a one-way ticket to hell to life-saving, life everlasting in heaven. Um, most of these things, you're not going to write the New Testament, but most of these things can happen to you if you believe in Christ as your Savior. Um, a guy that uh, I feel like I know him, but I don't, because um, we've sang Amazing Grace so many times in my lifetime. Most of us maybe sing, can sing one verse from memory, and a lot of us can sing all of them. When John Newton, a former slave trader, who wrote the hymn Amazing Grace, preached on 1 Corinthians verse 10, he said of himself that I am not what I ought to be, not what I might be. I'm not what I hope to be, but I am not what I once was, a child of sin and a slave of the devil. I think I can truly say with the Apostle Paul, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And uh, what, a, what a testimony um, we all want to be more. We're not perfect as Christians. But yet, just the fact you're here in church this week and you're learning about the Lord, uh, I'm happy about that. And uh, we know that uh, Christ has saved you 
And he's laid out those good works ahead of time for you to do. The resurrection of Christ changed Paul's life for all eternity. Will you let it change your life? You could. You could do it today. You could do it right now. Christ died for our sin. He was buried. He rose again on the third day. All was done as the scriptures predicted ahead of time. Hundreds of witnesses saw that he was alive. The grave did not hold him. If um, many things I've read said these are all um, the eyewitnesses at the time. If they had held a trial, they would have had to declare, yes, he raised from the dead. I've got 500 witnesses here that will say they saw him. And then the fact that he fulfilled the scriptures would so speak to the Jews um, may not be proof in a court of law, but it's proof in my mind and in my Bible to me. Romans 10.9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, guess what? That God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. It truly is the resurrection at the center of um, our good news. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, 4, by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. I hope somebody here today takes that gift of God, um, salvation, a changed life. Think how differently someday your... Um, your funeral would be if people knew that he was a believer. And we know it because we saw what he did. We saw the way he acted. We saw, heard what he said. Change your life and change it now. And so much the more so if you're a young person. Um, you have a whole life ahead that God could really use you. And uh, I pray that you would receive him now. God, we thank you for these words. Help us to learn from them. Help us in these next um, several weeks of sermons to learn more and understand more about your resurrection. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.